think we're working now. I'm gonna turn my volume up. If you can't hear me, please let me know because I'm... You're loud. I I'm loud, you. okay, really loud? I mean, you know, unnatural. Okay, gotcha. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, how are you? I'm well, it's, uh, it's Friday, so that's always a good thing. And we're kicking off our Center for Healthcare Services Foundation podcast. So you, somebody, I don't know if anybody told you you were gonna be the first person that we were gonna interview, but no. if they did, I have to be honest about one thing. You were technically the second person we interviewed, but you actually are gonna be the first person that we're going to produce and put online because uh, I was in charge of the first round and I visited with a wonderful director of ours, uh, Zaida Isagera from the ECI program, yeah. uh, Early Childhood Intervention. And uh, we did a whole 30 minutes plus, uh, great talk, learned a lot about her program and it wasn't recording. So we had no. nothing to show for yeah, I was I was in control of that one, so that was my bad. But uh, we've enlisted other uh, more senior uh, <laughs> virtual and, <laughs> and very specific to these tools. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah, should be good recording. to go. We're yeah. Good. I see it flashing. Yeah, that's perfect. And, okay. uh, and I know we are recording, so we will go ahead and get started. But again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as this is going to be the first production, if you will, for the Center for Healthcare Services Foundation as we go online and put this on all of our social and really try to engage the community. So we're, we're thankful that you joined us and uh, looking forward to learning a little bit more about you and then also the program that you serve at the Center Absolutely. for Healthcare Services. Absolutely. So we'll kick it off. And actually, first, really, this is going to be mainly your platform. We want to, to hear from you and learn about you and your program, but then also just anything you have to add. I, I get to benefit from really just listening to all the, the speakers we'll have come on and um, you as our first, it's no different. I'm going to get to learn a little bit more about you and then also your program. So looking forward to that. But just first, you know, who is Katasha Green? Please introduce yourself to our, our network of folks uh, that are going to be listening. Okay, perfect. So Hello, I'm Katasha Green, as you said. Um, I have been with the Center for Health Care for seven years. So, love CHCS. Um, I am an Army vet. Um, I did five years in the military. I am a mom of a nine-year-old. Um, I recently got my MBA. Like, I'm super busy. I um, sit on the board of the school district's PTA in over 19 schools, as well as my son's school. So, we wow. got a lot going on over here. Um, with the Center for Healthcare, I have, um, since I've been here, I've run the Supported Employment Program. Um, and so that's what I've done the first year I was here. It was just me. And so, yes, I service 5,000 people a month, right? Because that's what ABH yeah. does. That's how many people we see a month, but actually over that. Um, but I took that time to really learn what Supported Employment was. I found out that it's not just, um, let's help this person like, let's just get them a job. It's not a temp agency. Um, I went to University of North Texas and got all the credentials you could possibly have for mm -hmm. employment. Yes, there are credentials for those things. Um, and so um, from there, I was able to build. And so I had I got two people, then four, and now I'm at five. And so hopefully all we right. can grow even bigger because um, typically agencies our size have about 10 mm -hmm. and we have five. Um, but that's, we've done really good to grow that big in, in that short period of time. So we're doing really, really good. 
Sounds like it. Sounds like you have experienced a lot of growth and, and we're going to come back to and talk about MBA, getting an MBA and how it applies to mental health. And as a, as a, uh, a fellow MBA graduate, I can tell yeah. you that I think I find myself every day, certainly running nonprofits or working with nonprofits. Um, it's a very big piece of and component of sort of using your education, bridging it to actual yeah. world. So I'm curious to hear from you, especially in this environment, because you've been at this within the mental health space and, and for the center a lot longer than I've been a part of it. So we'll come back to that and I'll ask you some questions. But, um, th you know, thank you for sharing. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe what that evolution has been like for you? And, and I know from an expansion standpoint, and we even have some more work to do, you, you hope to get a team you know, up to maybe 10 or so. Uh, with the size of county that we serve, but what has that evolution been like for you in the time that you've been here over seven years? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you've had a lot of experiences, you've gained a lot of knowledge, but um, can you think back to anything specifically that you really draw to or, or have sort of learned and come out of on the other end saying, you know, if I could have done that differently, I would have, or just anything to share with us? I think that as I would have at the very beginning really just how important employment is to recovery mm -hmm. and um, I think I probably had a different mindset about it then as far as what we needed because the focus was just let's give these people a job and um, because I had never you know like I have so not to age myself but I've actually been in mental health since 2008 so yeah I'm, I'm older than I look right um, yes so always, the answer is yes yeah but so I always like the mental health part I was always into that and I, and I knew that but I didn't realize just how important employment and, and having something to do and being a viable member of society um, has to do with recovery so I think um, I probably would have bridged that gap sooner mm -hmm. if I realized realized that and I didn't learn that until after going to University of North Texas and really realizing what supported employment is and that we're really helping people manage their mental illness so they can work and so the focus is first their mental illness and so we were kind of going about that differently right and so we were right. getting jobs but then um they would lose them because we weren't like so focused on first getting to know you and your mental illness hmm. um and then now how can we find something to work around that and so when i you know i, mean, I, I catch on quick so i, I learned that in, like hmm. why are we not being as successful enough course, you know you get the tools and you read and we you know you get the all the stuff and you read and it says um, but when I saw that first, that we would address that. And so, so when I started bringing in staff, I was like, you need to be focused on what their mental illness is, what their symptoms look like, because everyone's symptoms are different. Sure. Um, and, and not putting people in this box and just say, you have this, so these are all the things you need to look for. You know, it's really interesting that you say that. Um, the, the way that you phrased it, employment supportive of someone's mental health sort of journey, right? And it's 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 that relationship that's sort of that cycle or the symbiotic relationship between the two. There's something dignifying about it, isn't there? Yeah, no, very. And, you know, it's like a sense of accomplishment that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and it just makes them feel like they are contributing because, you know, like someone, especially the clients, like we'll get the clients and they feel defeated. They feel like they are a waste of space. Mm -hmm. um all of those things and so that's like I'm super like I'm all about motivation and, and sure. that is it's very like it gives them something to be proud of and to say that I'm doing and and and, and look at me um I am important and I am a productive member of society right. absolutely no that's uh that's really awesome too that we use this as a means or as a part of the, the programs and services that we offer to the community because I, I do uh -huh. agree I feel like it's 
it really is a dignifying um, sort of evolution for folks who are struggling through something, whether it's addiction or whether it's they were incarcerated, whatever it is, getting them back into a place where they feel like they're contributing, like mm-hmm. they feel like they're an active part of that is, is really, really critical. So, um, you know, as we dive a little bit more into, because you, you've stated that you've sort of been in the mental health space since 2008, um, that's a lot of time to see a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm coming to this from really, well, I guess, traditionally sort of 11 years or so in the nonprofit space, but none of which have been with social service type agencies. So after my time here now, almost getting ready to, to curve around two years, um, I can tell you that it's, it's very different. I'm learning quite a bit, but for you, what are the biggest changes you've seen sort of evolve in that time that you've sort of really been in this space? Um, stigma, it's still there, mm-hmm. but um, I see it where people are starting to realize like, I can still do this or this person still can work for me, right? And a big mm-hmm. part of the support employment program that kind of helps contribute to this is we don't just see clients. We also work with employers in the community and we educate them about mental illness and we teach them. So some of the, the biggest things I see is the stigma of people you know, realizing that people can work and, and do the same thing. And when I hit them with the statistics and things like that, of like, well, actually someone sitting in this room right now has a mental illness. We just don't know who it is, you know, like things like mm-hmm. that. But also um, just, I think since 2008 of the government recognizing right. how important mental health care is, um, thinking mm-hmm. about where I hardly ever, I know for me, the reason that I got into, into this is I wanted to help people um, that look like me, that we didn't talk about this at all like you didn't talk about you I mean you you wouldn't hear someone saying they were going to see a counselor now I hear my friends they'll get counseling that just like you know like you go to the gym preventative and so I think that's gonna be changing if people are doing this just preventative is is a part of your health care plan then versus when it's really hit the fan and now it's a crisis Mm -hmm. right that's like some the biggest change you know you're you're talking you're you're helping me sort of I guess clarify and in some way um you're making me feel like I myself wasn't crazy for thinking this in terms of getting mental health to a place where, because I completely agree in my time. And again, the the background that I bring is business related and then running nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And the the time that I've been here, one of the things that I've said, you know, as you maybe could ask uh, part of the foundation team, one of the things I've said is stigma still exists. And I feel like for the last, you know, 10, 20 years, even before I was in that this space we were talking about stopping the stigma mm-hmm. but what have we actually done or, or why are we just doing that why are we still talking about stopping the stigma when there mm-hmm. still is stigma and you're absolutely right it's another thing that I've, I've likened it to is that you know 30 40 years ago you didn't hear about preventative health care you heard about just going to the doctor when you felt yeah. bad right when you got sick or if something was wrong you went to the doctor and now it's the same idea is that how can we get mental health care and mental wellness on that wheel of when you're preventative, not only are, are you know you yourself being active in that process, but also the government policy, uh, yeah. the big, you know the big employers, we got the big insurance companies, they're all following that idea. Yeah. And it's a similar idea that we've used in the past for physical well-being and wellness. Uh, why can't we just get that to cross over? Absolutely, to absolutely, it's yeah. very important. Well, you're you're at least making me feel like I did something right or had a no, good thought. You did. <laughs> You, you did your, your own this is a validate this is a validating experience I appreciate you are on the right path <laughs> so you know in in your time then from the program that you've operated is there any big is there a big statistic because you mentioned the statistics but is there a big one that sticks out or 
Do you have any success stories or stories that you think that come to mind for sure that you would want to share with people who really are tuning in? Because again, we're hoping to attract and engage maybe a different audience or to have this program and the, the things that we roll out, just hit people in a different way that they may not have before. But is there anything that sticks out in your mind you could share? So it's crazy that you, well, not crazy, but we, I just had to run numbers yesterday because it's budget season, yeah. right? And so I'm doing the workbook and it's asking for, you know, numbers that we've served from 18, 19, well, 1920 and then projected for 21. And mm -hmm. I was amazed that just as of yesterday, we've already this fiscal year served 546 people. Like that's a lot for five people. And that's the most we've ever served. And we're, not, and we're still, we still have three months left in this fiscal year. So I was really, I'm like, thank you uh, budget workbook that I have to fill out. Cause I would have ran the numbers, but it would have been late later. And sure. we finished, so last year we finished at 426. That was for the whole year. We've managed to, you know, we had our little um, computer crises in December. Yeah right? January. And now COVID. And we've still right. been able to serve more people to date than we served. Um, so that's, you know, that's really, really, really great. Um, another thing that um, we do that really has nothing, well, I mean, it has something to do with support employment, but it was like this idea, like literally a dream, like Martin Luther King, where they had a dream. Um, but I was like, what if we could do the job fair? So I know you've seen the flyers about that. That has nothing to do with support employment. That actually goes against because support employment is right, specialized for sure. just for just that. And just in our last job fair, like we got over 60 people linked with community wow. services. We had almost 200 people in attendance. And that's just us putting these flyers, getting, we had um, 30 employers and it's all different types of employers. And it's not employers that, um, you know, are specific in this. We never, and that's a big thing about support employment. We don't look for em employees that are like uh, only this type of job, right? Like mm -hmm. for people with autistic come here. It has to be um, competitive employment, which is sure. a job that anyone can apply to and is at least minimum wage. And so like, that's something that we're really proud of. I'm glad that I just happened to, in a town hall, mention it to Ms. Burley, I wish we could do this. And she was asking the barriers. I told her the barriers and she made it happen. She got us the facility at a discount. Yeah. They pay for it actually, not my unit. And so it's been like a success and we, we have two years. So this year, because it was supposed to be in July, I'm like, how can we still service? People now are looking for this. So we're doing a virtual job fair. And I've That's already talked awesome. out to our employers and they're like, yeah, Sasha, like we'll do that. We're excited. And so um, we're gonna have it the first Tuesday or Wednesday, don't quote me on that, in August. It's that first week in August. And so now I'm just because I've never done, and that's it too. Like, I'm not scared to just figure something out. And so I'm like, well, I've mm. never done this. So let me do some research and figure out how, what best way we can to do this virtual. So that way our clients are still being able to do job fairs and, and get jobs, even though with, you know, the tough times that we're going through. During this time. You know, yeah. And I, so we'll come back and we'll make sure that we have that information so we can Absolutely. pump it out there also on our Facebook and our social. But I do want to come back to one thing that you said, uh, and, and you're right. So looking at supportive employment, as a means to, to, as a part of the treatment, the overall treatment, right, for someone and, and really their plan. Um, do we see, because you quoted off last year, you served 426 or 428, this year 546, that's about a 28% roughly increase year over year. Do you expect, and, and what, what can you maybe anticipate going forward, knowing that in the last 10 weeks or so, we've had, you know, 
20 million people or so, whatever that statistic is, people file for unemployment. It's something ridiculous. I don't, I don't actually have the number, but it's been something ridiculous in terms of record setting people, you know, actually going out and filing for unemployment. How do you see this really bleeding over into impacting people's mental health and mental wellness, whether or not they had a condition before they were diagnosed or not? How is this really going to add to it? And what do we see for the future in terms of your work and really the need to invest in something like your program? Absolutely. So one of the benefits, jobs aren't going away, right? And we see yeah. those jobs that we didn't realize were essential, like stores and fast food, yeah. like all these type of places, right? A lot of our clients, that's what they're looking for. So those type of jobs have not gone away. It's just someone not being picky and someone like, no, I don't want to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and so once we get over the fear and we're addressing that with clients, like we, we address the fear of COVID. We, we address talking to them about safety. We have, we, we kind of prep them of like when they're talking to the employers, what are the questions that you need to ask that's going to make you feel safe? Because that's really what it is, right? It's the fear of the unknown that when this hit, it is unknown. And so we address that with our clients of like, what is your biggest fear for working for this, for that? And then we address it with them. Also, one of the first things that um, I did when this happened is I started researching all the places that are hiring, what other stipulations, and I sent them out to all the care managers um, at the center. Like when I do stuff, I don't just send right. it to ABH. Like I do it to you know everyone that's seeing adults. Um, and so once we get over the hump, really of people being scared, there are jobs out there. I just sent an email day before yesterday that Costa Solutions was looking for a hundred people, a hundred. Wow. So it's like, they're still out there. And so that's really uh, for on our side, keeping the ear to the ground of like what's going on out there. What, and I also um, have an open door or open email policy, yeah. um, have the case managers, not just on our program, in my email me when you have clients looking for certain type of jobs, we'll mm -hmm. find out. Like, so that's kind of how we're addressing the unemployment, sure. um, right? But also then um, having my staff actually, when they're meeting with their client, help them through the whole unemployment process and, and what to do. Um, that's just like a perk that they, you know, get, you get that total care and, and all around service. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that either in terms of sort of what we, how we supported our clients and the folks that we worked with. So that's really interesting that you point that out because it can't be a confusing. And I think mm -hmm. for people who maybe are already disenfranchised with, you know, the system or who yeah. have come and gone throughout in and out of the system, um, a lot of times that's what they just need. They need someone to really walk beside them, meet them where they're at, but walk yeah. aside them and just say, look, we can figure this out together until we get you back on your feet. So that's really, that's nice that we do that. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any, and I, I asked this a minute ago, but is there a success story that sticks not just with the numbers, but is there a person that comes to mind or someone that you've worked with that you really just, this is someone I need to highlight because it's a great story. Oh, well, yes, we have like a lot of them, all of them are successors, yeah. but um, not this year's, um, you know, the, the thing that y'all do. I can't, now I can't think of it. The conference, the mental health which, conference. Which, which, so we do the, the state the of mental health luncheon. Forest, the one that's the behavioral health conference. Yeah. Well, not this year, but the, the previous year, one of our people won an award um, because he okay. had been such a, it was like, um, he had been um, an addict. Mm -hmm. He got his children taken away. All these things. He got into the program. Of course, he had his. He had his. You know, other clinicians. He found stable employment for a long time. He was able to get his kids back, and he just really he said that it was the the work. Like he had something to do. He knew he needed to get his kids back. He knew right. that the drugs wasn't you know helping, and so that was really really good to highlight the program because it was actual you know a, a, a participant. Just today, before here, I was actually doing a field supervision because our staff, even though all of our staff are 
work from home. If there's a right. client that is not, they don't do well, because this is like helping someone the job, they still go see them face to face. And so today I was doing our field supervision because I have to go once a quarter and see what they're doing at minimum. 11 o'clock, we completed the application. By the time mm -hmm. I made it home, she already had an interview. They were calling me saying like, oh, we wow. have, so it's like stuff wow. like that. Because the, the homework was to call and follow up. People always, people love to like fill out applications, fill out applications and forget that, but you need to call and follow up because right. like a hundred people might have applied. And so by the time I made Sorry. it home to get ready for this, she already had the interview. Um, and so it's just awesome. like that, um, that we are, the clients, um, get their whole life back on track with just that little thing, something like a job, just that mm. little, that little thing. I mean, it sounds like it from a return on investment standpoint, both the, the time that you're spending, but then also as we look to in the foundation's role, right? We're trying to raise money. I mean, there's, there's no secrets about that. We're trying to find more resources to expand and enhance the work that you're doing and the programs that you guys operate, because that's, that's what's going to make this have more impact. But from an investor standpoint, if you're really trying to help people get back to work and you're trying to help people become contributors to society, and overall you want to see, you know, where my money goes, how is it really going to get back to me? This type of program really yeah. does speak volumes in terms of how we're able to get people back to work, uh, contributing, and again, also paying dues to the rest of the cycle, right? Because this is a policy we're supported in some way, you know, by the federal government and by the state government. But there's never enough resources. So as we go out and we're asking for more of these resources to, to find you know, a way to the programs, this is the reason why. You know, we want to see more investment. We want to see more success stories. Yeah. And it happens quickly. Yeah. So, I'm so awesome. thankful for the, the foundation. I think about, I did, y'all gave us a grant before because we needed clothing racks. Because our right. clients come to us and they don't even have clothes for an interview. They don't have a pair of shoes or they, yeah. you know, still toed boots if they could just get like that and so that you know we are very thankful for this in our foundation that they try to seek funds for stuff like that because it's yeah. needed and my program is so small it's five people we pay our own salary you know all of that type of stuff and so we don't have the money for yeah. extra stuff like going out and buying people clothes just for interviews yeah. or jeans or things like that so you're absolutely no right. i know you're absolutely right so we we need to do more and hopefully this this will be one of the first to sort of engagements to the community mm -hmm. to help us do that so now, as we move through the rest of this, we're, we're eating up time and I want to be respectful oh, of your time. No, no, no. No, you're, no you are fine. It's probably oh. me and the extended questions, but I wanted to dig a little bit more into, you know, why you think now, as we've talked through your program a little bit, why you think really it's so important for us to continue to discuss mental health and, and you know, maybe how having more conversations like this really will help your program and other programs as we, as you've talked about the evolution of mental health and what you've seen. How is it going to continue to get better by having conversations like this? So because it's not going away, right? Yeah. Like no matter if we talk about it or not, it's not going away. People have had mental illness from for the beginning of time. And so the more we talk a lot, talk about it, the more we normalize, the more we realize that if we're in a room mm -hmm. of 10 people, there are multiple people that have something going on, right. um, that everyone you know, had about been sad about something, that people, everyone experienced some type of trauma in their life. The more we can normalize that, people will then see the need to have it, right? Like now no one's going like, why do we have a gym on every corner, every street corner? It's just a natural <laughs> thing, right? We've normalized that you need to be in shape. You need to be healthy. You want to live yeah. long. And so the more we can just talk about it and make it normal and not this taboo, oh, that person's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, the more we do that, the more people, you know, um, are more willing to give their money to these things because they feel like, oh, it's everyone needs this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, and... and 
uh, sort of adding on to the conversation about this pandemic and the crisis that we're in, I'm asking myself that question and I'm, I'm curious to see how it happens or what happens as a result. But, you know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on coming out of this pandemic? And really, we're not going to be through the weeds and most of it, you know, for the next year of foreseeable future. But, you know, coming out of this, how can we help and how can those who are listening or those who tune into this really help us continue to do that but in terms of extending the conversation or actively you know, promoting the fact that we really do need to normalize this conversation? Um, keep doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, like, that's just, that's the biggest thing. Like, we need to keep doing what we need to do. We keep need to keep being out there, keep talking, keep, oh, keep these podcasts going. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, that's all that I feel like we can do is just keep doing what we do, um, but keep highlighting. I think that we it's more highlighting of what we're doing needs to be done too. Like, cause I feel like, you know, we operate all the time. We do all these great things all the time, but it's not, we're not constantly highlighting the things we're doing. We're not constantly highlighting the success stories um, that's out there. Cause that's what it is. People want to know like, okay, this is all going on, but how, but how is it benefiting society? So I just feel like we just need to yeah. keep doing what we're doing, but highlighting it more like on steroids. No, I, I thank you, you know, for that plug. It wasn't a shameless plug. You know, we are doing this podcast for a reason. We're trying to get oh, people yeah. engaged. No, not at all. I, th I thank you for the plug because you're absolutely right. It, it's our role really to help market and to help bring attention and focus to the programs because we, we do operate so many programs and services. Right? I think it, we need this function for us. And we've been talking about this foundation for some time, but I'm glad that you're on here telling your story and talking about the program that you're operating because really... Yeah, supportive employment is a huge part of really a, a, that piece, that missing piece of how to get people back up on their feet and feeling like they can contribute, feeling like they can get back to it. And those that, in that or within that whole sort of circle of life are going to be those wins that they get. They're going to help them feel like, hey, I can do this and I'm not on my own. I have you know, support. I have the center and really can you know, impact people's lives in a big way. So um what other current projects or, or urgent needs do you guys have? I wanted to ask you that, but I wanted to let you sort of talk through your program and, and sort of lay it out there. But as we move forward, you've talked about growth. You've talked about really from last year to this year, the 28% even growth that we experienced in terms of the number of people that we're treating. What else do you need or do your programs need? And what are the current projects do you have going on? So outside of the job fair, we have that going on. Also, we're just looking for um, like more resources right? Because we have like clients come, to, and I, I know that the center foundation is there, but just in general, like they need transportation, they need like all of, all of these types of things. So we, we've been looking for other avenues and other, we've been trying to partner with other like agencies that offer, offer these. And so that's right. something that we have going on. Like, of course, like dress for success and just mm -hmm. different things like that, that we're doing. We're also still trying to see what the real needs are for clients in COVID. Um, and right. so that's been something like of me, like trying to track, like really how many people we have out there that's not working, um, mm -hmm. what their needs are, what are their needs going to be after, after, um, trying to find like childcare, things like that. Um, right. because a lot of it is like, maybe they can't go back to work because of, of things like that. So that's just kind of, and then really our biggest thing is just building more relationships with employers and with the COVID, um, because like I said, part of their job, they see clients, but the other half, they have to go out and see so many employers a week and build relationships with, with employers. Mm -hmm because we funnel clients through those employers. So the relationships with the employers um, are just as important with clients because usually clients come and go, but we have these relationships like Goodwill. I have a really good relationship with Goodwill. I've had it for the last five years. It hasn't sure. gotten here. 
Um, so that's another thing that we need. Like, um, if you ever have any type of jobs, if you are, so for whoever's listening, if you're an HR rep or you own a company or you just know that y'all constantly, we need those links like to reach out to us to say, hey, you know, we have people and we never send anyone. So we don't just say, oh, this place is hiring, you go here. No, we, we, you know, give some of the client what they're looking for, mm-hmm. what they're actually good at, what their skills are. So we're never going to send someone to an employer that you would ever have to worry. So, you know, instead of having that stigma or thing like that, that's, we do all of that and work with them before wow. they ever go anywhere. So we don't just, yeah. it's not like, like a temp agency show up here on Monday. We not at all. Um, so that's yeah, great. That is listening. Really interesting. Yes. Yeah. So you, so you all, and I'm learning this as we're talking now, even because again, we do operate so many programs that I don't, I don't know all of them intimately. So then really you're right. You're more than a temp agency and you're, you're kind of in that between gap of temp agency. And then you have sort of your boutique, or, or your big firms or a headhunting like firm. We are. Yeah, but you guys are right in the middle of there. Yeah, you're right yeah. in the middle of that. It's interesting that you're, you're, so you're working with them and you're really trying to match up and identify or close the gap between yeah. the needs of the employer and the people that we have, the employee, potential employees to really make a good fit. So that's, that's great work that you guys are doing. I, I wonder um, if you had a list of companies or if you had a list maybe of your top, you know, your three biggest wish lists in terms of companies in San Antonio or around Bear County that you'd want partner with or you'd want maybe that somebody's listening to this or we could forward it on to them who, who are those companies or what would you say in terms of the jobs the types of jobs um amazon heb and the school districts okay have we because they because those those three companies have all types of jobs at all mm-hmm. different levels and so if we could we could have so many people get hired from someone that had an mba to PhD to someone that got their GAD, like those type of companies. And like HEB, I've been trying for HEB, right? Um, But those are, those would be like my top, and I know I said the school districts, but anyone like Northside, because they're they're, they're huge, right? If I could get, and I know I'm working, I'm I'm on the board of the school district, PTA, so (laughs) I'm working my way, I'm working my way to get to- You're going to find your way. It's only a matter of time. I'm all about relationships and I'm working my way, let me tell you. But until I do- those that that would be the wish list okay well for those listening you know this is this is the plea uh you know please help us find those connections too and i'm actually gonna i have a contact or a couple of contacts with heb that i i for sure want to help this program and certainly with what we do and try to at least again close the gap and find out if there's a way for us to work together but um katasha i I wanted to also ask you as we're sort of rounding up and, and wanted to to circle back into a close but your MBA, I told you I'd ask you about that. Yeah. How has that experience really played into the work that you're doing? I mean, you're running a program, so you're running a mini business, really. Yeah. I totally get, I'm sure some of the viewers or listeners will totally get the connection there, but what other maybe skills that are transferable or things that as you went through your MBA program, do you think relate into the work that you're doing within the mental health space? So first, let's say that that MBA was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. But so for me, I love creating, right? And so a lot of time the gap with right nonprofit or with touchy Philly, because this mental health and people being like, you know, therapists and clinicians are touchy Philly. So they just want to go help, 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 help but they don't look at the bigger picture of the background, right? Of running a program and the operations. And so I really love the creating piece and the operations and putting 
policies in place. Oh, I'm going to be a politician when I'm telling you. I love putting policies in place that actually are effective. And sure. so, like, I was halfway through and all with the counseling and all that. And I was like, but I don't really want to do this because I love to still have an client contact. I'm still touchy feeling. and I love that. But I like the behind the scenes of really mm-hmm. putting a program together to, to then touch hundreds of people. And so I knew then that the MBA was the right, the route, because of course it teaches everything about operations, but then it teaches you about leadership, um, teaches about the money, right? Um, Then it teaches marketing, all the marketing classes, all the finance, all the operations, Mm -hmm. and then just the the structure, it teaches you the structures of business and and all those things. And I knew that that would be more beneficial for what I want to do in the path that Mm -hmm. I'm on. Um, And so, yeah, that's how I left touchy Philly to the business world. So I'll have to keep that in mind, uh, you know, as I think through it, and everyone be on the lookout for Katash Degrina. She I'm coming. goes into her political career. Um, but the key and the operative term that you use there were policies that actually work. I like yes. that. The ones that actually work, because yes. those are the ones we need more of. But yes. I thank you for sharing. So one last question, and then we'll sort of wrap it up here, because I know we're eclipsing now the 30-minute mark. But um, how important do you think from, as we, as we go forward, we talk about you're a veteran, so thank you for your service. Other, other, you know, but you're also a minority in this mental health space, and I am as well. So as we talk about things that are important to sort of the evolution of, again, this mental health space and how we are more reflective of the communities that we serve, how important is it for us to put an emphasis on education and training and the next group of individuals who are coming up really to pull them over into the mental health space or the behavioral health space, because this is, this is not, again, like you said, not going away. So what are we going to do about it? And, and how important is that when we talk about mental health? So first of all, it's very important because people feel more comfortable doing things when they see someone that looks like them. Yeah. I know that I'm very aware, even myself going, going somewhere. I've been in a lot of situations, even I think of school and stuff where people didn't look like me, the schools I went to and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I know what that feels like. And I wasn't comfortable. So if I had a problem, I didn't go tell the teacher. You know, what are they going to do? They don't understand. And so I think that being uh, when you are someone, a person of color or a woman or a veteran going out there and doing your part to let people see you and talk about what you do, because you never know the impact that you can have on someone. And then they'll want to be like, I'm going to do that when I grow up, you know, like things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then being being out there and present so that people do, because some, you know, I do talk about um, like uh, minorities in mental health. And one of the biggest sure. things I talk about is when they're looking for their doctor, they're looking for whatever, you know, make sure, does that place have people that look like you? When you look at the magazines that are mm-hmm. sitting there, is there anyone that looks like you there? The pictures that they have up, like those type of things. And so it's very important for us to make sure we are seen so that someone doesn't come in our facility and is like, oh, well, they don't have any women in there. Yeah. You know, like little things like that. And so it's just very important for everyone to do their part. I just, I, I agree. I feel like so many people can identify with that that idea, the concept of you, you feel comfort or comfortable at least opening up and seeking that help when right. there are folks that really reflect you and your community and those you, know, you feel comfortable in that space. So that's really, really important. So thank you for sharing that. Um, again, thank you for being our first guest as we wrap up. And for those listening, this is the first of many to come uh, for the Center for Healthcare Services Foundation. Uh, it's our version of a podcast and, you know, we might come up with a clever name for it or if those of you who listen to this first one have a clever name, please help us uh, think of something. But we, we definitely like to say it's time to talk San Antonio and Bear County. And I think this, this is our first effort for us to really produce something in a program that allows us to speak to the community 
and engage them in a conversation and a dialogue about mental health and the importance of mental health in all aspects. Today, we were visiting with Katasha Green about supportive employment and the program that she operates at the Center for Healthcare Services. Uh, we're thankful for her and we're thankful that, you know, thank you for your service and your time. She's a mom, she's a director for, you know, supportive employment. She's an MBA grad. She's got it all. And this is the cal caliber and the type of folks that we have running the programs and services. So for all the investments that we seek to make and for more information about how to give to these programs or to Tasha's program, uh, please go online and, and look for us at Healthcare Services Foundation. Like us on Facebook, follow us on all the social, uh, and please interact with us, engage with us in this conversation and dialogue, because it's a very important one for us to have. So, Katasha, thank you so much again, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye.